You are now listening to the Clingmet Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. I love getting into people's life journey, not just talking about what they do now and the shiny stuff, but we'll talk about that too. But yeah, like the twists and turns, the steps of their life, where, how, what they were feeling, because I think it's helpful to hear other people's journeys, to hear the real life stuff so that hopefully you don't feel as alone and perhaps it'll even empower you to get out of your own way, to start something, to try something, who knows. On today's episode, I have Kendra Allen, who you may know, or you're going to now know her as your breakup bestie. Yeah, she's a breakup coach. She runs programs, has a social media account for it. Uh, when I first heard years ago that this is something she was or was going to do, I was like, huh? And now I think it's really amazing and necessary. So before I say let's get into the episode, if you haven't yet, please hit subscribe. And if you want to leave a review, I'll send you a gift from my product line. Screenshot it review and send it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.gob and I will send you a gift. Here we go. All right. So yeah, I like starting to talk about what was life like for you growing up and especially like high school years, because I feel like that time can be so like, I mean, some people it's the best years of their lives and I had fun in high school, but also miserable in many ways. (laughs) I was going to say traumatizing. (laughs) Like, yeah, like both and, but yeah, like what was like, yeah, what you felt like in high school and like, you know, if there was any pressure back then too, because I also think like it's an interesting, like so often it can already be shaping like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And we can see it as like one thing we will do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I mean, just to touch briefly before high school, I, you know, grew up in a very like normal home, I would say. Like my parents are still together, like, you know, no childhood trauma, you know, very normal upbringing. Um, I went to a really small school up until eighth grade and felt like the queen of the, you know, I was like student body president, like captain of the debate team. Like I did everything. I was like total big fish in a small pond. And then I begged to go to public school for high school So I went from this school that had like 100 kids to a school that had like (laughs) 5,000. And it was very – it was like such a shock for me. Um, And it really took the wind out of my sails. Um, And I like pretty instantly like lost that wanting to be – I don't know. I went from wanting to be big and having no problem being big to wanting to be really small all of a sudden. What do you think – was making you want to go to that, to the bit, like public school was like the option. Cause also you're great, like, right. Like there's no more room in that school. So you're going to go to a different school. Like like, were the other options like, yeah. Like what made you want to push so hard to go to the public school? If it seemed like you were like shining in that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's your graduating grade school. So you're going somewhere different anyway, but yeah. Like, yeah, I think honestly, I just wanted more. Like I wanted more people. I wanted more exp- I felt very sheltered. I w- and I really wanted 
something more. I wanted more. Yeah, I just wanted more people. Like I'm just, I've always been a really big, I'm super extroverted. I love meeting new people. When you're in such a small school, it's very limited. So I think that was it. Like I just wanted more experience, more people. Well, that also makes sense if you were doing all the things and doing it, then it's yeah. like, yeah, like give me more options and more yeah. things and more people to whatever and that. So yeah. So then you said it turned you into like wanting to be like very small or like, so yeah. what I'm guessing, yeah, you went there and it wasn't like, oh, hello, Kendra, we've been waiting yeah. for you or like, you know. Let's like <laughs> foster your, like I, the school I went to was super liberal arts. Like we, you know, we did art class every year, like played musical instruments. And then I went to this public school, which like there's no, it's just, that's just wasn't their style. They didn't have the resources to do anything more than that. So it was you know, where it was kind of pretty instantly like, where are you going to fit in? What's like your niche going to be? Um, I didn't know a lot of people. So I really just, my focus then began to like, I just want to fit in. I don't care if I'm anything bigger than that. I just don't want to feel not a part of. Um, I also, so yeah, so high school, I had all of, all of those experiences in the beginning. And then, um, you know, a big part of my story is um, my issues with drugs and alcohol, which started my sophomore year of high school. So that that was like a really big turning point for me. I grew up at a very anxious kid, um, but I always used my anxiety as fuel to join every extracurricular, every club. Like I just worked it out through being in motion <laughs> constantly. Uh, and then all of a sudden I didn't have all of those things. And so I think my anxiety really started increasing in high school. And, and then I remember, you know, very vividly the first time I ever tried alcohol and it felt honestly like the answer to my problem. <laughs> it felt like the answer to all my problems. It felt like it just instantly relaxed and like shut my head up. And, and it felt like, oh, this is what I've been missing. It's easy. Like, I've been anxious my whole life. I've just been missing alcohol. And so that really, in my head at the time, gave me this freedom to be more of myself, feel less anxious about fitting in. Um, and then, you know, as it sometimes does, it kind of quickly turned on me. <laughs> well, so yeah. So what was, I mean, was it, I'm assuming, you know, you got introduced to alcohol, like at a party or gathering or yeah. with people and that, but then when you like had that, like, oh, this is what I need, would that still be then like sort of, oh, like when in social situations or hang in hanging out, like sort of thing, like, yeah. okay, if we're out on the weekends or whatever, then like definitely need to be drinking. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't like start off by me, like, feeling like I wanted to drink at home by any means. I was like 15. Um, but yes, anytime I was out on the weekends, it was really important to me that alcohol was a part of that. And honestly, I felt like in high school, I was really searching for this identity. And I felt like the party, like the fun party girl was became this identity for me. Um, and I became really attached to that. I felt, I honestly felt very secure in that. And yeah, it felt like this missing piece of me where I didn't have – and mind you, which is really funny, when you were talking about like what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, I had no idea. All I knew was I wanted – I was going to college. Like my parents were those kind of parents that were like, you're just going to college. Like I don't really care what else, but you're going to college. 
So I actually had, you know, really good grades. And that was that was the only like kind of site I had set was I'm going to go to high school and then I'm going to go to college. And then I guess at some point I'll figure it out. So, yeah. So it sounds like so it wasn't like you were bringing drugs and alcohol into school and like to getting through the school days. But it was sort of like that yeah. was like socializing. OK. And on the party girl and the fun. So then I'm guessing that helps then too. like when you're in school, then it's like, oh, because everybody knows. Oh, there's. Oh, hey, like you are yeah. like party girl, Kendra or like, you know, whatever, fun yes. time, whatever. And so then able to have that identity. And then so you're still doing the schoolwork that. So. So even though you drank a lot in high school, which I shorted. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know how. Uh, it's, yeah, it's now like when I look back, especially like drunk driving and stuff. Ah, oh, sheesh. I hope yeah. that kids these days are, I mean, now I think just the world is, or not, the you know, like we're more aware of that is that, but like, yeah. I and we didn't have Uber in high school. No, I mean, no. And, no, and I was in Cincinnati. There was no, like no taxis or anything. It yeah. was like I would oftentimes be voted the person to drive. Oh, my dad's car, whoever's car, the nicest car. And I would usually would have drank the most, but I was the best drunk driver. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, it's it's crazy. And like that's. And it was interesting because I felt like I kind of had this like double life. Like I remember being at a party playing beer pong and someone asked my SAT score and I said it and it, I don't, I honestly like could not tell you what it was today, Same. but um, yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't matter ultimately. Um, but I said it and they were shocked. It was like, oh, Ken, like weekend party Kendra is smart. Like she tries and puts effort in. And so it really felt like this double life that I was living. And then as I got to my final year of high school, the drinking really, really took a pretty nasty turn. Um, I had a pretty, I had a very traumatic experience happen to me in junior year where I was sexually assaulted at a party. Um, I did not come to terms with that for 10 years didn't tell a single soul it happened for five years. And it really was the the turning point for me where drinking became less of just this fun enhancement to my life and more of a necessity because I just I couldn't cope with the trauma. I, I just like that was the, my body's way of like coping with the trauma where they're like, we're just going to shut it off. And so at that point was when I would say I became like a blackout drinker where I would just drink to the point where I was like, I don't want to have memories of what's happening. Um, I was hospitalized a few times. I crashed For my car drinking. drunk. Drinking, yeah. Yeah, where I had like accidents where I fell off like an 11-foot ledge onto my oh face. My goodness. And just all these like really awful consequences started popping up from from my drinking to the point where when I got to my senior year, I had lost a lot of friends because I wasn't, you know, like it's not fun to drink with the person that's like going to end up not being able to walk out at the end of the night or like going to get in trouble or any of those things. So so I'd say like the first half of high school was fun as I was becoming the party girl and then it turned mm. and then the second half was was rough in that way. And so when you yeah, so then to so you're where you said like your parents were just like go to college and you didn't really have like anything you for sure knew you wanted to do. So like did you just 
choose a college based on, yeah, like what did you end up doing? Yeah, I went to, I got into like my dream school that I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to USC more than anything in the world um, because it, I wanted to go to like a big sorority school with like big football games and I wanted like that kind <laughs> I was of experience. The total opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah, well, the plot twist was I went to one football game the whole time I was in college. So <laughs> and I never joined a sorority. So, you know, it, it works out how it works out. Um, yeah, I wanted to go and I knew I wanted to do something in business. My my dad's an entrepreneur, my my siblings are entrepreneurs. So I knew I wanted to do something in the business realm. So I was like, okay, I'll just go to a good school, go to business school, and then we'll just figure it out. Got it. And so then you got got into USC, which is – Yeah. Where is that? In LA, downtown LA. Okay. Yeah. I was like <laughs> – yeah. For a minute, I was like, wait, is that yeah. LA or San Diego school? Um, yeah. Got it. Um, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Orange County. Okay. So – Yeah. You weren't – Close like, by. You I were was not like, far. oh, I'm moving away to college, but not that – But not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And so, yeah, you said you wanted to be like – in a sorority, did you then try to get in a sorority and didn't get in, or what changed once you got there? I met a guy, um, <laughs> as a lot of stories start. Um, yeah, I met the summer before I started college, and mind you, like I'm pretty sick at like mentally sick at this point. Like I'm still, and I don't know it. I'm dealing with this trauma. Like I have. And then, you know, I have all these like I'm living with so much shame and low self-worth, low self-esteem from all of these things that happened through my drinking. And so I met I start dating a guy who's 12 years older than me and, you know, totally swept me off my feet for like six months. And then all of a sudden, as like so many women have this story, like a switch flipped and he became super toxic super controlling, very abusive. Um, and really, and I spent the first three years of college in that relationship. So, um, yeah, so I was not joining a sorority. I was not like, I met him over the summer and then you started with him. And once you were in that relationship too, did it at all actually help your drinking? Like once you were like with someone, because then like, Oh, okay. Like you don't even realize it, but like you just became like, this is what I do. And I drink all this, but then Again, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it actually did. And it's, it's interesting you ask that because I think of like the one positive experience. I mean, I've (laughs) ultimately, I've had a lot of positive experiences come from that, but the biggest one in the, in the moment was the fact that I wasn't drinking. He was, he was very controlling. I was very disastrous when I was drinking. So he, you know, kind of put the the stop on, on that. And, um, I think of how disastrous it would have been to, for me to join a sorority in a big college with a horrendous drinking problem. So that was a positive that came out of that. But ultimately that relationship, like my life pretty much was him and school, like friends fell off, um, family contact was like kept to a minimum because he knew that was like financial support at the time. Um, but other than that, like my life became 
extremely small. And it wasn't just because like, I'm guessing at first there is the like, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. in love. I love this person. I just want to spend all the time. It maybe started like that, but then he became controlling where it wasn't yeah. there. Like then became no option for you to like have a friend, go out, have a girl's day, whatever. Oh yeah. And yeah. did it take you a while to pick up on that? Oh yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, I think it was my first relationship pretty much ever. Like I was, you know, had people in high school, but it was really my first relationship. He was so much older than me, experienced. So honestly, like I was made to believe that this is how relationships are. Like I remember he said like, you don't talk to other people about your relationship. That's just not how it works. It's it's our thing, which like now I'm like, my husband fully knows that whatever is said in our relationship, like my five best friends know within the next week. Um, so yeah, he was like, he specifically, a lot, some of the stuff was subtle where he would be like, I don't like this friend. I think they're a bad influence. Um, you know, like good guy friends I grew up with my whole life that I never had anything with. He was like, they're in love with you. You need to cut them out. So it was like kind of subtle. And then some things are like, this is how it is. This is just how relationships are. And I honestly had no other context for it. So I believed it. So I don't think I caught on till like pretty close to the end when I finally like opened up to someone else. And I was like, this is the inside of my relationship. And they're like, that's not normal at all. And I actually remember like getting onto Google and looking up is my relationship abusive? Um, because I just didn't know. All I knew about was like physical abuse. I didn't know about gaslighting was not a term we used when I was in this relation. Like I didn't know about gaslighting. No, I mean, I feel like all of a sudden, like, yeah, 2020, maybe 2019, like now, like now gaslighting is everywhere. It's almost like, wait, what is gaslighting? But it's also then like, oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah, now it's like nobody. Yeah. We know so much more about these different things because I think of yeah. social media because you can put that yeah, out there and, and share it. And bad, you know, not in, not true information gets shared yeah. and on social media also. But in many ways, I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know what a narcissist was. I didn't know that there was – I didn't know there was emotional abuse. I didn't know there was – like I didn't know verbal abuse was like an actual thing. And so, yeah. So it took – I didn't really catch on till the very end. And, and what then, was – yeah. So what was happening in the relationship that made you start to like question and Google it? Like when – like yeah, like verbal – like would he – yeah, like yell at you or like was it more just these manipulation things or there would be like outbursts or like he's telling – like negative about you or like – yeah, it started – I think the biggest thing was like I finally started to realize like I was never going to figure this out. Like I was never going to win. Not that I was trying to win, but like I couldn't win. Like a big – you know, I've learned so much about these kinds of relationships since I've been out of them. But like a characteristic of a narcissistic relationship is they make you feel like you're in a game that the rules change every day. So you like – they're like you could make the same thing for them for dinner – five days in a row. They love it. Sixth day, they're like, this tastes like shit. Do better, you know? So it's like I started to realize I was playing this game that I really didn't – I could never figure out. I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And I think my intuition was like, you're not a bad person, Kendra. Like, you're smart. 
you are you've always been a good friend to people. You know, I I think I just started to get little glimpses of that and I really started to feel lonely. Like I'm like I said, I'm such a people person, I'm such an extrovert and I lost everyone and so I just felt like I was in this kind of cave by myself and I was like I don't think this is how I'm meant to live my life. So what did you, yeah, so you said you Googled and like, did you get something from that Google? Is that what then made you, you said you did like start to actually open up to a friend. So that means you somehow were talking to a friend or like. Well, what ended up happening and it's really funny because like, you know, obviously we just said how like this abusive relationship kind of saved me from my drinking and then my drinking kind of came back and saved me from the relationship. So I was on family vacation with my, with my whole family my ex had gone to sleep and so he my, was with my, you on vacation. He was with me on vacation. He had gone to sleep. My siblings and I were up drinking. I got way out of control as I do when I drink and I just like blurted it all out. And I it was the first time I heard myself saying it out loud. Like I just never I just was like as it was coming out of my mouth I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is all true," even though I was very inebriated. Um and yeah, the next day I was like, we're going to finish this trip and then it's and then it's done. That's so huge that you just saw it, though, and did it right away. I wonder, you know, like also like then being with your family and like that you said it out loud, like if that would be the tipping point, because, you know, like, you know, because if you had maybe like gone out with, well, who knows, you probably wouldn't have been able to go out with a girlfriend. But if, yeah. like, if it had happened of like, but yeah, well, yeah, if you'd gone out with anybody and said it, then probably that would have helped you then actually do it. Because if it also had just been you one night of maybe getting drunk and having this realization alone, then you might wake up and be like, oh, I don't know. It's not that like, you know, like, but the fact that you said it out loud and anybody else to heard my it, family. and even if they yeah. wouldn't have held it to it, then it's just like, oh, shit, I admitted to these people that this. So how- that was a big part because I'm also a huge people pleaser. That's like a big innate part of me. You know, I've worked on it a lot, but like I'm a huge people pleaser. So the fact that I was like, oh, they know everything now. If I stay in this, like, and mind you, I ended it the next day. It took me a while to like fully get him out of my life, I will say. But I ended the relationship. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm guessing he didn't yeah. like take it well. Like, okay. No. <laughs> no, he definitely did not take it well. But I think his his ego wouldn't let him fight too hard for – he was, you know, very egotistical. So, yeah. So we go home and there's like – a lot of other parts of the story, but essentially it took me like six more months to move out. Cause you were living him. together. We were living. How together. long into the relationship had this been? Uh, almost three years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think, no, probably two and a half. Cause I think all in all it was three years. So finally after, you know, six months of living together, you know, and it's funny that like, this is now what I help other people with is like, how to do breakups successfully because I'm like, I've done it all very poorly. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it took – and then it took another year where I still allowed him access to me even after we'd moved out. If he needed money, um, if he needed companionship, I was still kind of at his his beck and call. So it was was long. It was like a very long process of letting go. And do you feel like, you know, like you said that you just have the people pleasing tendency? Was it like that sort of, you know, like, 
did you feel like when it took you so long to get out and like whatever, when you would still reply, was it just sort of like, okay, I'll do this for him, but like, I'm good. Or like, what do you think made you? I think he really knew how to get to me and like make me feel special. And that's the thing with these relationships. Like, yeah, they treat you horribly, but at the same time, like they know how to treat you really well. That's how they hook you in the first place. So I think, yeah, it was. And mind you, after this relationship, I'm pretty much off and running again with my drinking. So like I'm not living in a way that I'm super proud of. So I kind of liked having this place to like crash land. Got it. So when, you know, even while you're still there and you said it took you six months to get out, it's not because like whatever. It's like, cause he is still trying to like reel you back in and like zazzle you and blah, 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 no, this, whatever. And so you're sort of like, oh, okay, maybe he's changing. Or maybe now that I've said this, yeah, or maybe like, and then, okay, no, no, no. Like that sort of thing. Like you would go back and forth of. Exactly. And finally I went to Costa Rica with my family without him. And it was just like the, I was like, holy shit, this is what life looks like without him. It's so much better. And I got home and I was like, you're out. <laughs> we, we're done. This is it. Um, we can't live together. So yeah, I needed, I needed to like get out. Cause I was, I was in such a, my, oh my God, my vision was just so small, you know? And at that point, are you, so is this the whole, like, you're still like going to join, do going to college? Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to college this whole time, which is wild. Um, which like, and also crazy. now looking back, like, so many people like I'm 40 and I feel like people are 40 and older and trying to now understand these relationships and get out of them. Like not yeah. even like past ones looking back and like to go through that at such a young age and be in college where you're like so you figure out your life and like you're dealing with this. Like, yeah, I can't. And I'm sure you are not alone. It's yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm so glad. I feel like I had such a crash course between 15 to 21 when I got sober, um, like 15 to 22 basically, because I experienced like trauma, alcoholism, (laughs) an abusive relationship. Like I just, it was so jam packed and I, and like, thank God I was able to get to the other side of all of them and then start the healing process really early. Like I hit the ground running when I got sober of like time for therapy, time to get sober, all of those things. Um, because I know, you know, how hard I can't, it's like, in some ways it feels like it might be harder to go through it at an older age. Yeah. No, I think in many ways it can be too, because it's like, I think when we're younger, it's easier to as hard as it is, but it still feels easier, like to make changes or to just go for things, you know, like to in whatever and okay, I'll learn and grow. But yeah, like there's something like when you're older, then I think part of it like questions yourself or oh, like you don't see you see everything feels like it's going to be harder. I don't know. Like, yeah, and I think in some yeah, ways, and it- even <laughs> even at 21, I remember having the thought of I've invested so many so much time with this person. It almost like I was just going to call it at 21. Like, well, I've already spent three years with them. Might as well spend the rest of my life. Like I was already having those thoughts. So I imagine if you've been with someone for 10 years and you have kids and you've been married, it's like 
so many layers to how someone gets stuck in that. Yeah. And especially with kids, then like, even if you're starting to like see something more than, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's a lot. Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption to tell you about these products that I've been using recently. I've tested them out. I love them. And I think you will too. The company is Soul CBD. You've probably heard a lot about CBD. And I wasn't sure what brands to try, what to try, what I was actually going to feel. So I love Soul CBD because they are completely THC free. They are organically farmed. They are gluten-free. And they are third-party tested for toxins. I've been trying a lot of their products out. I got to say, one of my favorites is the gummies, CBD gummies. It, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to have a gummy? It's like a nice little treat, but it has CBD in it. What I've been using CBD for daily, it does help with my fibromyalgia, aches and pains, helps with anxiety, stress, and sleeping. So I take it either the drops or the gummies in the morning and at night. Sometimes I even do another up midday if I really feel like I need it. I also am in love with the topical cream. It really helps for aches and pain. I had a really bad back. I don't know what happened to me last week, and it was the only thing that I got relief from. So again, go check them out. Go to mysoulcbd.com backslash claim it. The link will be in the show notes mysoulcbd.com backslash claim it. And you can use the code claim it to get 15% off. But I think if you go directly to my link, you automatically get that 15% off in your cart. Check it out. Feel free to DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman if you are interested but confused. I'd love to share my experience with you. Oh, they also have bath bombs. How fun. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so then Costa Rica, you're done. And you said it took like more of a year to like end that too. And you also said you got sober at 22. So then what was like that path like? Because I'm, I'm also wondering if you were like, an, it took you then like another year to stop talking to him. Was that once therapy started or something? Or like, how did you yeah. then finally <laughs> create that boundary? The last time I talked to him, I had six days sober. So yeah, it's it's like very much aligned. <laughs> so yeah, so what um, happened? Um, yeah, that sparked you getting sober. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, after the relationship ended, I, I will say I made the mistake, but like, ultimately I don't really believe in mistakes in the long run, but I will say at the time I made the mistake of, I, instead of going back to the friends that I had lost in that relationship, I was so full of shame still. And like, so embarrassed that I did not. And I pretty much just like moved to a new town and just like, started fresh um, and started going out. And, you know, I'm like 21. Was that also, did you graduate college yet? No, no I okay. still haven't graduated. I'm got still it, in but college. you're able to move into a different, got it. Like, yeah. So I moved to a different town. I'm like commuting to school, which I've been doing pretty much the whole time. Like I never lived on campus okay. because I'm living with this guy. Um, so yeah, I moved to a new town and I start, you know, going out and meeting people and, and in the beginning it's like, great. And I'm, I'm the Kendra that can make friends really easily. And then all of a sudden, like 
the the drinking part of me comes out and I start having these like consequences where I, you know, knocked my front teeth out. Like, oh my goodness. Like split my chin open, like just crazy, like craziness, just total chaos all stemmed from drinking. But I could always point to another reason why I was drinking the way that I was drinking. Like after that relationship ended, I was like, I was in an abusive relationship. Like I deserve to do what I'm doing, basically. Like I'm not, I don't have a problem with alcohol. Like I just went through yes. something really traumatizing. And so like, um, yeah, I'm just like gonna like let myself exactly. do this for now because I just went through that. Like, yes, I was so good at being able to justify my actions. Um, so I, you know, I had all these, I've, I had all these experiences of drinking going really poorly, <laughs> you know. Um, but finally, what ended up happening is I was um I was living in like downtown Huntington Beach which if anyone knows that it's like bar- like you can walk to all the bars. So I was living in like the worst place possible for me to be living. Um and I had finally reconnected with some of my best friends from high school that I had ditched for this relationship. They were going to come stay with me. We were all going to go out. And I remember talking to the only person I was still close with which was my cousin and I remember telling her Danielle and Aubrey are coming tonight. I cannot ruin this. I can't mess this up. I can't black out. Like I need to I need to be normal. And I woke up the next morning, not at home. Um they were nowhere to be found. Basically I like blacked out, ditched them. They had to like call their boyfriend to come grab them. Um and it was like the first time where I really voiced that I was trying to make an effort to not be problematic and I couldn't do it. And it was like this little seed that was planted. And then a few days later, I went out on Sunday. It was like NFL playoffs. I went out to watch football games. um, And I woke up on Monday at my parents' house. Um, And I didn't live at my parents' house. So my brother's friend. And you didn't remember getting there. And I didn't. I had no idea how I had gotten there. Um, And it was honestly so many like – I can just see how much I was guided at that time because it's so miraculous. Like I – what ended up happening is my brother's friend found me like passed out at a bar. He called my brother, which had happened a few times and my brother usually just takes me home. And my brother decided that day that he was going to take me to my parents' house, um, which really was like the alarm bells started coming on. And I was laying in bed. I knew my parents were going to walk in any moment and I knew I was going to have to come up with like, okay, Kendra, what's like the rationalization that you're going to have? Because my parents like had already confronted me about having a drinking problem before. So I knew it was going to be a conversation. Um, And for the very first time, I was blank. Like I could not point to anything. It was like, it's alcohol you have a problem. Like it's not stress. It's not the relationship. It's not school. It's not anything like this is a Kendra problem because you're drinking and that's, and that's it. And like, I just was, that's all I could come up with. Um, so my mom walked in and I just was like, I need, I need help. I really need help. Um, and miraculously I was on, (laughs) I went on Facebook, my phone was gone because that's just sometimes what happens when you're a blackout drinker. And I got on Facebook and was going to see if I had any messages of like 
someone being mad at me or something like that. And I had like a family friend reach out and say, hey, how are you? <laughs> and for whatever reason, I decided to say, um, I think I have a drinking problem. I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. Again, like I hadn't talked to this person in a pretty long period of time. And they said, oh, um, I've been struggling with cocaine. I've been going to recovery meetings. Um, do you want me to pick you up today and take you to one? And I said, yeah. Wow. I'm getting tears. I know. I'm like, you're literally getting emotional <laughs> thinking about it. Um, that person stayed sober for, I'd say, probably 14 days. Um, and it, for me, it's been almost nine years. Wow. And like there were so many other incidences where I, it was like so clear that I was being protected and being guided. And yeah, I went to a recovery meeting that day. I admitted that I was an alcoholic, truly, like to, like I knew it. Um, I started going to a treatment program after school. I was still at USC. This was like all the week before my last, wow. my senior year at USC. Um, talked to my professors and they helped me arrange so I could go to school during the day and be done so I could go to treatment at night. Um, and yeah, and I've been sober ever since. Wow. So, um, so that was, I mean, I think, I think if I were to look back on like the most important thing that's ever happened to me, it was definitely like getting, getting sober, no matter what, like, even if it's, you know, getting married's great, like, you know, being pregnant's great, but um, I'm just so clear to me that like if that hadn't happened, I don't – I mean, I don't know if I am alive. I don't know – I don't know what my life looks like, but it doesn't look like how it is now. Yeah, and I've known some other people who had really – you know, had early – I mean, <laughs> I'm saying who – I like laughed at that because like how I, yes, experienced alcohol too, like early alcohol problems. Like I had my own, but I never – they never – you know, I had I would black out sometimes, but I was lucky. Like those always happened when we always were at my friend's house where her parents always let us hang out. Like I'm lucky that yeah. I was safe in those things and that like, yeah, like um so anyway, I know some people that had real problems that then they made, you know, like then did go sober when they were young, 21 to earlier, and then later in life have then struggled with, well, did I have a problem? Yeah. Or was I just young? And so some people I know have then like played with it again. And some people are just like, oh, okay, well, I like, oh, I tried it and I just don't even actually like it anymore. I didn't even buzz. And then some people are like, oh, okay, now I can drink occasionally. Yeah. And like they'll have like, oh, a glass or two of wine or sometimes like that. Sounds like you have never in thought for a minute, yeah. like maybe I'll enjoy a glass of wine. Maybe I'm good now. No. And honestly, like, I mean, I've been really involved in the recovery community since I got sober, which has been great because I've been able to see a lot of people try that and have it not work. Um, but at the end of the day, how I see it is like I've built this life that I love without alcohol. Um, I've, you know, I've gone to Coachella. Like I've been in, I've done all nighters in Vegas. Like I've just, I feel like I've, I don't feel like I missed out on my 20s by not drinking at all. Um, right. So getting sober at 21 yeah. and then 
Yeah. Like nowadays too, it is more like, oh, there's all these sober, curious books and this. And again, on social media, you can find your community of people and like connect more. Even if you don't know anyone in your own life, you can feel less alone in doing things like that because of social media. But yeah, like that it's not like you're like not that much older, but yeah, I'm sure back then it could have had to been isolating a little bit to then be like, yeah. Oh, and I don't drink. Um, yeah. And I definitely went through that of like feeling really embarrassed and self-conscious. I mean, yeah, and- you don't have to be. So I wasn't saying it like, oh, you must have, but like that can definitely be an experience I would make up. People would have. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely, I totally had that. And I still sometimes like have that and it's, you know, I've just learned like, it's a matter of, I don't owe anyone like an explanation. I mean, I'm not going to lie, being pregnant has been like kind of easy, easier because I don't have to explain it. I'm just like, hello. But but yeah, no, I went through all of that. But I just think like there's – alcohol to me is a wrench that I would throw into my life and I don't know the outcome. To me, it's not worth throwing the wrench in. Ever. Yeah. Like even if I – honestly, I think even if I could – be guaranteed that I could have a glass of wine or two at dinner and stop and not have any repercussions. Um, I don't think I would do it. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I don't know why I was flashing this, but yeah, even back in my early 20s, I went through periods. I never was like, I am sober or I need help or something like that. But I just also like, I drank a lot in high school. And then by the time I turned and I was like moved to Chicago, I went to college and I started working, doing concerts right away. And everybody was at least 10 years older. And we would finish this though and go to a bar drinking. By the time I turned 21, it was like, oh, you know, like I'd already, I had an ID that like said I was whatever. By the time I turned 21, I finally was like, Maybe I don't need to drink (laughs) every night. I mean, and also too, I worked like 18 hour days at concerts and then it would be like you drink from 2 to 4 a.m. So yeah, it was like I didn't have like (laughs) the whole day to get wasted anyway. But I remember that, you know, like those times when I didn't feel like drinking and like, yeah, the like, oh, I still want to go fun. And I'd still go to the bar sometimes. And yeah, like other people would be uncomfortable that I wasn't. Well, no, I'll buy you one. Well, though this. Well, like, well, I just don't. And it's just like, but I just noticed it was in my energy. Like usually if I was just confident no, I'm just not drinking totally. right now. And that, you know, then they still might have a hard time with it, but it was just sort of like, yeah, like it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't like, why do I care yeah. what you think? Or like, you know, like whatever, like, no, I don't want to drink right now. <laughs> and it's like the greatest lesson I think I've learned in life is like, no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no they are then usually making up, yeah. well, why is she not drinking? Cause I mean, I never drink it. Like, it's like, whatever it's you making them spin for some reason that it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> It's so funny. Like sometimes people I'll be like, oh yeah, I don't drink. And then they'll be like, oh, I only drink on Saturdays. And I'm like, there's right to give you like, (laughs) I'm all, that's great. Like, uh, cool. Good for you. Like, I don't care. Like I'm not like some police officer here. Um, But it is really funny sometimes like what it can trigger in other people. (laughs) Then it's like a mirror shined on them. Yeah. let me confess my <laughs> yeah I'm like okay like you don't, you can tell me about your drinking you don't have to like we can just hang out so uh, then you graduate college you're sober it sounds like a new like start of life what did you then like yeah it sounds like you're pro- very focused on yourself like getting yourself healthy in different ways so what did that look like and yeah. then also with okay now I graduated college I need to like it was it also did you feel a pressure of I need a job now or Yeah, it's actually – so I think like 
I have my like sobriety track and then I have like my career track and they're kind of going like at the same time. But when I was with my awful ex, him and I actually started a company together where we did – he was a like a fitness trainer and a nutritionist and we started teaching fitness classes at like a corporate office here in Orange County and they loved it. And so we, you know, started to this journey of starting like a corporate wellness business together. So that was like a big thing that we had kind of tied together. And so I think we started that when I was 19 probably. Um, And so we, you know, ran it together and then – and then after we broke up, I um, I kicked him out. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, thank God I had a dad that was very smart in how we were setting up this company. And, you know, I um, – there was like some money that my grandparents set aside for me to go to college that we didn't end up using. So I used some of that money to start the business. But my dad's like, you can put – you can put the money in, but this is what needs to be on paper. So I'm like so lucky, you know, that I had a dad that really guided me in that way because I was able to, to push him out. So I did that for, from 19 to 24. So I had this, this business called the fit life and I, you know, I worked with like Taco Bell headquarters and, um, some other, you know, big corporations where we would run wellness programs for them. And would you, was it you going in to teach classes or you hired people to go like teach group classes or all? Both? Yeah. Um, kind of both. Some of it was, um, cause I got, I ended up when I was in college, I ended up getting my health promotion and nutrition. Um, I got, I went through that school at USC as well. So I did have like the credentials to do it, but we, we, me and two other partners built like an online platform that companies could use where they could track their sleep and their, you know, and it's so funny because like that company, it, I think we were ahead of our time in a lot of ways because yeah. it was during a time that companies did not want to invest in that or now it's, you know, like a duh, you have to have that in your company. Um, so yeah, so we had like an online program. We would do some in-person stuff. Um, where we would do like lunch and learns and we'd run challenges for them. And we would really just create like these custom programs for companies. So I did that till I was 24. And I finally kind of had this realization that I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I think a lot of it I was doing because I wanted to prove Rick wrong. When he, when I told him he was out of the company, the last thing he said to me was that I was never going to be able to do it without him. And so I kind of had this like fire under my butt to get that done. So yeah. So when I was 24, I stopped the business. We had like some partnership issues as well, but, um, for me, it was just time to, to let it go. And I, you know, transitioned to working, in the drug and alcohol recovery space. So I worked with a treatment center. Um, I actually started a female sober living house. Wow. That was really something that I wanted to put my attention into because it was such a big part of my life. Does that um, mean like you then like bought or rent a, rented a space for mm-hmm. women to go to like after? Is that like where they would go after um, treatment? After treatment, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So sometimes they would be in like, um, like an outpatient treatment while they're at the house. But yeah, it was, I rented a house. Um, I had like a live-in house manager. We would, it was like to set structure. It was like a safe place to land kind of a thing where they would have curfew. They were getting, you know, tested. If they weren't in a program, they had to go get a job. We had rules. They had chores, um, things like that, teaching them structure and stuff. So I ran that and worked in admissions um, at a pretty big treatment center here in Orange County for a little over a year after that. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and then I've, and then I had to learn the hard way that that was far too much for my like projector human design empath personality to be, to handle. Yeah. I was like that. I mean, that sounds like it's like, thank goodness there are people doing those things, but especially running the women's house, especially it's like, yeah, that's gotta be a lot. I mean, I don't, it was chaos. I immediately, uh, I've had Amy Dresner on my podcast. She wrote the book, my fair junkie. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know her book, but so yeah, so she lived in women's home several times because she, it took her a really long time to get sober. Um, so like, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like from her memoir and other people's memoirs like that I was flashing there. And it's like, yeah, like I, yeah, that's like a big thing to hold the space for those women and to like be trying to support them and staying sober. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. And it was hard because a lot, most people don't make it. I mean, not that, you know, they don't make it in life, but they just like don't make it in sobriety. And so it's a lot of in and out. Um, it's a lot of talking to parents on like the worst day of their lot. You know, it's just, it was just, it was far too much energetically for me. Um, and you know, what's interesting is like I had this wellness company and then I started this sober living. And by the time I was like, I can't do this sober living anymore. I was, I was 26. So in my head, in my head, I had two failed companies at 26. That's how I thought about it. Um, and that really, that was really hard for me for a while. Um, I was at this place when I left working in treatment where I just wanted to do anything to get out. So I was like going to go get my master's and I just kind of landed at this place where my, my dad, um, in addition to his company, he's an author and he had a book coming out and he said, I, why don't you just come on to manage my book launch? And we'll just have you do that. Um, so that was kind of the start of me, like, I'll call it like my freelancing days. I kind of did like whatever, I don't know, whatever I was like called to do. It's when I started working for Danica. Um, I was just kind of in this position where I was like, I'll just take on. Just like, how anything. can I support someone else in their business? Yes, like, oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um and like all around that same time was when I came up with the idea for Breakup Bestie, which is what I do now. I was talking to, you know, Luke, who's my husband now, and he asked me, like, what do I really like to do? And I knew I liked helping people. Like I was in whether it's health and wellness or sobriety. Um, but I like really felt called to this idea of helping people through breakups just because aside from getting sober going through breakups were like one of the most transformative points of my life. Um, and I think the reason I was able to do it successfully is because I had all these like tools that I had accumulated through getting sober and through therapy, trauma therapy and, you know, all of these things. And 
So I had this idea for Breakup Bestie and I started it as an Instagram account and I didn't tell a single friend. I told Luke and I just started this account like completely anonymously um, just to see if people would like it. And the next basically like two and a half years, I worked on other people's businesses and did some tinkering on my own. Yeah, because I feel Um, like when I first was introduced to you and yeah, you were working for Danica mm-hmm. Bryce, which is a past guest too. But I feel like very early on, you told me like, or you said in an email or like, yeah, I'm, you know, a breakup coach or I want to be like, I don't know if it was or I want, but I remember you saying it early on, but then like, you know, but I never saw, yeah, you doing anything with it yeah. and you were always supporting Danica. And I remember being like, oh, that's interesting. But also like, I don't really know, but like, okay, cool. Like that's what she does. But yeah. And then all of a sudden it felt like, I don't know if it was last year because I don't remember if last year was one year or two years. I know. Like doesn't 2020 and 2019 kind of get, it's like 2020, feel the you same, know yeah. what happened though. Cause it, but it's also was like a year of pause. So like, I will think yeah. last year and I'm actually thinking of 2019. 2019, like, <laughs> totally. No, I'm the same. It's like 2020 is the year that didn't exist while at the same time, like of course existed because everything. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, and that's so true. Like this is another example for me of being so, divinely guided. The fact that I ended up working with Danica, who was like such a big, who has always, since day one, since I told her about my idea for Breakup Essie, has been the biggest supporter of me, has like promoted me on her page, has like asked how things are going. And I just, you know, and I helped her with on like so many things that I helped Danica with, I ended up learning and was able to do for myself. Um, so right, because you were helping though, people on the back end of build their business, do things that like, yeah, like there's yeah. so many things to do when you have a business, especially an online business of like, oh, the newsletter, the social media, the this, oh, we need to hold webinars, what's the this, the blah, blah, blah. Like there's so many just extra details. And even if you can figure it out like yourself, it's just the time of it. So you were like taking yeah. on all of these auxiliary tasks and organizing. And then it's like, oh, well, that ended up setting you up for, oh, well, I already know how to do these things. So maybe exactly. <laughs> so it, it worked out so well, but at the time it felt so random. Um, and finally, at the beginning of 2020, 2020, um, I launched my first course for Breakup Bestie and I quit working for and then like kind of slowly like the people I was working for, I either quit or they dropped off um, and and then COVID hit. Which honestly, like, I mean, COVID has been so hard for so many people. For me, it was really needed. I really needed a cocoon year to like focus in on what I wanted to do and own it. Because I used to say I do freelance marketing probably up until like 15 months ago, even though I was doing Breakup SD full time. I like could not commit to having another business because I was so scared of it failing again. I was like, I had this thing in my head. I've, I, I'm 20, I, at 26, I've had two failed businesses. I can't have a third one before 30. Like I just was so stuck in this thing that I had two failed businesses at 26. I'm laughing because it's like, I understand that, like, you know, I can understand you feeling that, but it's like, what I'm thinking, and I'm sure what most people are, it's like, how um, how amazing that this person had businesses that early. And like, yeah, I wouldn't even think they failed. Like, you know, like, too, because I'm like, well, what has failed? Like, oh, it happened. And then you decided to, because also, it's also your businesses were things like you chose to end, not like 
you were putting yeah. your heart and soul on them and they just weren't happening, which those can happen too. And that sucks. And it's also like, that doesn't mean anything about like you. It's just like, okay, it wasn't the right thing at the right time or the right people or whatever, but it's still like, you know, usually ends up working out for our path. But so you're saying like you had even stopped working for anyone else. You were only doing breakup bestie, but still for months of just doing breakup bestie. If somebody asked you what you did for a living, you would I was say- like, yeah, I do. I do like social media marketing or like, yeah. I would just, I was like so hard. And honestly, there are still days that I'll catch myself and like want to say something different because it's, it's taken me a long time to own it. Um, even though like I have courses, I have a pot, like, I, you know, it's a full blown business that I have now, which is awesome. And it's something that I'm, I love doing, but, um, but yeah, it's I, like, I still have this, I mean, it's imposter syndrome, which like is obviously so common. Um, but yeah, it, it took me a long time to, to break it after that. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I think I still like if I would have, I moved to a new area and my kids are at schools now and I'm meeting a lot of new people. And so it can be like, that's more of again, like, oh, what do you do? Or like, and I'll be like, oh, I work from home or I work for myself. So yeah. I'll do this. Like, and I'm just like, no, like that's me just being like, oh, you know, like, oh, I wasn't sure if I was going to sign Z up for after school. Since I work for myself, I can make my own hours. And then people will be like, oh, well, what do you do? You know, like, you know, like I'm not even trying to get into that. And then I'll be like, you know, like it can still be yeah. this because one words I could just say I'm a geologist, but I don't think that, you know, like I've, I identify with that, but also like, don't. So yeah, it's just, I could be like, oh, I'm a podcast. No, I'm, I'm like, a business oh, I'm a owner bestie. like this, yeah. you know, and then it is like the harder thing is to be like, you know, oh, I empower people to own who they are and <laughs> to live their life. Yeah. And sometimes that's like, can come out really naturally. And sometimes it's, it feels like to say, you know, whatever, you know, but I can't ever feel like it doesn't make sense to me to say a podcast host, but I'll like say like, yeah, I have a business to empower people and it has lots of different arms, including this, 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 whatever. But yeah, like that, like saying, you know, that then sometimes I think it immediately can be like, especially they're seeing me in my leggings and my messy hair and my no makeup that I think it immediately in ourselves, it can come up to be like, well, who am I to say that I'm someone who empower? Who am I that I help people with yeah. their breakups? I'm just some girl that looks like she doesn't have her shit together. Totally. <laughs> no, I don't, totally. but I do at the same time. Like, but that's us as humans. And we can all be helping people and creating our own business and be of service and be yeah. messy humans in the world. <laughs> Yeah. But like that for me even can be like, it sees this is automatically sort of question of like, what are they going to think when I say that like comes up Yeah, as much as even I have been in this role and I'm so excited about what I do and get to do in the world. (laughs) Yeah. And it's even before, like this morning before I knew I was coming on this podcast and I was thinking like, claim it. Like, what is that? Like, like what does claim it to me mean? And to me, it's like, I still have a hard time. Like when I have something really good with my, like with my business happen, um, there's still a part of me that wants to stay really small instead of like own it. Like I'm still big, like I'll still like rationalize. Well, like, oh, well this person helps me with this. Or to me, a lot of it is like, claiming who I am and like owning that and like not caring so much about, okay, what if someone, you know, like my parents, it took them years to figure out what I did because, you know, it's just like different, but it's like, I used to get so wrapped up in that. Um, and so much of like claiming it to me means 
I mean, owning it, like owning who I am and that I have successes and, um, and not focusing on like, yeah, well, we'll see how this one goes because the last two didn't work out and, you know, little comments like that that I can catch myself thinking about. Hey, it's Trisha. One more time bringing you an interruption because I want to make sure you know about this intimate group program that I have open for enrollment right now. It's called Connected. We are going to be starting Tuesday, September 28th and going for 12 weeks. It is going to be like a big life edit. You're going to be so held and supported and held accountable. It's easy to listen to the podcast. It's easy to read books. It's easy to sign up for programs, actually, when you feel like you're ready for more joy, more connection to make a change in your life. What's more challenging is to actually do the work and apply it to your own life. And so that is why I have created Connected the way that it is. Week by week, we will take one topic each week and look at it at different angles. I want participation from you. We are going to have a special voice act, voice group. There's also text. It's like text messaging and voice memos. You can send pictures, all of it. This private space where I'm going to be sending you messages daily in there. And then I want to hear from you also. What are you doing? What are you seeing? How are you looking at it through this lens today? There's going to be journal prompts. There's going to be exercises. And there will be implementation sessions each week. So besides our Tuesday calls, which will be recorded, then you can show up, hang out with me in our Zoom room during our implementation sessions so that you know that you're going to do the things that you want to do. You can show up and do the journaling. You don't even have to have your camera on. Just like, look at me, I'm showing up. I'm doing the journaling. I'm doing the exercises this week. I am doing the work. It's going to be a small group so that I can really be there for each of you. I'm super excited about it. Go check it out at yourjoyologist.com backslash connected. Feel free to DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman. I can send you the direct link. We can schedule a call to talk about it. I can talk to you in voice memo there to let you know more about it and answer any questions. All right, let's get back to the episode. And also like, yeah. If you're feeling any inkling of, oh, maybe I need this, maybe I want this, please check it out. You know, like what can happen in those 12 weeks? Just imagine how you will feel, how you will showing up differently in your life for yourself and for others versus if you don't. Just think about that. All right. So excited. Here we go. Okay. I want to dig more into, so first of all, were there other you know, so you've mentioned that one big relationship and then that your your hu- now mm-hmm. husband. Were there breakups in between or people totally. between two? Okay, got yeah. it. So, yeah. Which, yeah, we don't need to go into all that. But yeah, yeah, so like that was an especially because I you said, oh, well, I was able to get through more of them because of like, you know, because yeah, I'm guessing once you got sober, then you also were doing a lot more. Yeah, if you're going to meetings and stuff too. Again, I have never been that, but I just make up with the fact of you're being in meetings and then like, you're just more exposed to your own stuff, but also other people as humans. Yes. Because if everybody's sharing yeah. their stories, but then yes, you're going to therapy, you're con- continually helping yourself. So you did then get these tools. Um, totally. Yeah. And I've, I've come to realize how much going through a breakup is, is similar to getting sober. There are so many parallels. I went to write an episode, like 
on my podcast, I went to write an episode about it and it like there it was wild how much came out where I'm just like, it's so similar in so many ways. Um, so so you kept feeling within you though, like I want to be like a breakup coach. Is that like, yeah. you know, like what it w- kept showing up as, but then you're like, what does that look like? And were you like, I want to help people to break up or I want to br- help people that have just gone through a breakup or both? Yeah. I mean, I think it was mainly, um, people that had already gone through breakups, but it's, it's been interesting just in the last couple months, I've just noticed like, you know how sometimes, you know, when we look back, we're like, this is what I was seeking. I think what I was seeking to create was when I got sober, there's there's meetings, there's there's so many resources and so much help specifically to get sober where it was like, as long as you're willing to do things and like get a little uncomfortable and go through some pain and work on yourself, like you're going to do well. Um, there There was not that for breakups. And like, I really wanted to create this support network, these tools, these resources, this like, let me wrap, like, let's wrap our arms around you kind of a thing as you're going through this. I wanted to create that same kind of feeling of safety and security that I had when I got sober for when I went through a breakup. I love that. And I was just thinking, because, you know, obviously going through breakups are hard, whether you're the person that initiates it. Yes. Or on the receiving end, like there can be this like, oh, I don't know to make the wrong choice. Well, they're not a bad person. This, who am I? What if I don't, I don't, who knows, whatever the things that can come up. But I make up too that like when people go through a breakup, you know, of course they're leaning on their friends more. But so some people, I wonder if they're like afraid to keep talking to their friends and opening up because they think they don't want to be a burden. They think my friends yeah. are probably sick of hearing about this or like even like, oh, yeah. they've been telling me for years or months or whatever. They always knew he wasn't good. And so like, no, like don't want to have things rubbed in their face or whatever it is. So also like to have like a sort of unbiased like person out there that is just like and group. I don't know if it's like, yeah, with group programs or whatever, how you're running, but just like to be able to come to a space, even just your social media and you have, you do like have these like Q and A's all the time, right? Like to help people and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, like that. It's, I think it's so valuable and amazing. And I'm so glad that you created it and like are fully sticking with it because it is like such an important thing. And I think, yeah, like when at first I was like, break up. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, whenever I feel like I heard you mention it or maybe Danica did early on or something too. And I didn't really think about it because yeah, I've never heard anything of that like that. But of course now it's like, oh yes, people need this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I really had no idea what like the impact would be or how much it was going to be needed. And it was very apparent pretty early on that it was very needed. Um, and, and yeah, it's because, yeah, friends either like people are going through a breakup and all their friends are married. So it's like, they don't feel like they have that space. Um, they don't feel safe around their friends. They feel like a burden or it's like they, we were taught, I was at this event this weekend and I was telling people what I did. And we were just saying how at one point you were kind of just at the mercy of like whatever your friend's advice was. Like if you didn't go to therapy or like, you know, there was not social media, it was just like, you just hope that your friends have good advice. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, you want to trust your gut, but like there's um, like being able to give that unbiased advice um, in a way that like my whole focus in breakups is around the person. It's very little to do about the ex. And it's really just like 
this is all about you. This is not about your ex. This is about you. Um, let's work on healing you. I also work to, I really like a goal when I started, it was also to educate people on narcissistic and toxic relationships and let people know, like, even though it's really scary, it's you, it's so important to leave those relationships and, um, break those patterns and, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. And so it's it's great. I feel like a breakup concierge because I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm by any means a therapist. I like love sending, you know, telling people to go to therapy. And but yeah, it's been like a very fulfilling thing. And it feels very, it actually feels really healing to past versions of me as well. I love that. Um and yeah, I think I just, so, you know, sometimes I put up like a question box to like create affirmations for people. In this past week, someone said, you know, like I'm, you know, like struggling with uh, co-parenting with a narcissistic ex. And I created some affirmations and I always like share, you know, the response because one, to just see what yeah. other people are going through, but also like who knows what they'll resonate. I've never had more people reply thanking me for an affirmation I had not written for them than that one. And it made me so sad. It's, it's <laughs> like, crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I could help you. But I was like, oh, this like, yeah, that suck. And I also was like, oh, I, because of social media, but also, yeah, like because uh, I'm not a therapist, but uh, yeah. like the fact that I now have so much more knowledge about narcissism and narcissist partners and stuff like that from some of my own, but also, you know, friends and stuff too, that like, that I was able to write affirmations that I was hoping would support them because I know, knew more what that looked like. So it also was like, oh, I'm so glad about this education, but also sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad I can help all of these women that are co-parenting when narcissist is ex, but oh, that sucks <laughs> that there's so many out there. <laughs> I know. No, it's really, so anytime I talk about it, I remember the very first time I talked about it on my page and I shared about my story. It was in it was wild how many people um replied. And so, I mean, I'm just so big. I think everyone has the power to help other people from their own experiences. Like I just I know that to be true so much because I lived in shame for so long. Like I didn't talk about my relationship for a long period of time because I felt really shameful. Started talking about it. Like I heard someone else talk about it and it gave me the permission that I could talk about it too. Didn't address my like sexual assault for 10 years. Someone else shared their story and honestly like the me too when the me too movement came out, that was that was the permission I needed to finally tell my parents about it. And it's like I just think there's so you never know what telling your story and sharing your experiences, how they can impact someone else, whether it's now or like five years down the road, because there will be times where I'll be like going through something and I'm like, this feels really hard or this feels really scary. And I'll think back to like, oh yeah, this one time this, per I heard this person share this and like, they were okay. They made it, you know? Um, so I just think there's so much value and being able to share experiences. And that's why I love, you know, being able to share my stuff with people because I, I do think it helps. And I think everyone has the power to do that, whether you have a business, a page, a platform or not, even if it's just like with your friends. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, and that's why like ever since I started 
blogging or sharing over a decade ago, it was like my own experience. And a part of me was like, well, who cares about my, like I had like blog that I didn't think it was like when blogging was a thing, but I wasn't like, I'm going to be a blogger or anything like that. I just, you know, but it was interesting back then of like me just sharing my own experience, how people that helped people and seeing themselves somewhat, even we were so different. And that's why I love having these conversations and getting into different things the way that I do. It's like, with the hope that it's like, you know, we all can look at, look at this successful business this person built, look at this thing that they did. And it's, yes, everybody is awesome in that, but it's like, there's so many layers of that and evolutions of these things. And like, yeah, we're stuck on like, you thought you're a failure because you had two failed businesses when you're, you know, 26. And it's like, yeah, but it's like, it's crazy to think about now. But like, that's the hope is that people that are listening out there, it's like gives them any sort of nudge to one, to not feel so alone, but also to like get out of their own way and open up a little bit more, try a different thing, try to release some shame and yeah, like whatever it is. So thank you for, for sharing. I'm going to get to the questions. Ask everybody. Oh, first of all is I ask, uh, everybody, I sent you the list of the keychains in my product line. And I like for people to pick not necessarily which one they like the most, but which phrase they feel they want as a reminder in their life right now and why. So I put everything, I picked everything is going my way because, and this is actually even better after sharing my whole story, there were so many times where I thought nothing was going my way, but everything was going my way. It always is. Whether it's like, whether the puzzle is coming into fruition now or in a year, it's all, everything is always going my way. Yes. I love that. That's one of my favorite ones that I have like on the mug I drink out of and yeah, on my keychain too. It just yeah. feels so good. It's like, I don't know how right now this is going <laughs> to But it work is. Out. In some way it's going my way. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is a go-to to raise your joy levels? Ooh, um, car karaoke. Car karaoke. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Like especially early 2000s emo music in the car like I can't be in a bad mood when I get out of the car. I love it. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I like last, I think I was last week, like I get locked into like certainly, you know, like Pandora stations or whatever things totally. that I listen yeah. to over and over. And I finally just when I was like, I need a different change. And I put on like, I ended up on Wilson Phillips hold on station. Oh Ooh, my that must gosh. Have been fun. It was so good. And then it made me remember <laughs> I used to have like a monster ballads CD and playing oh that gosh. in my car. And I was like, I need to go find the monster ballads. <laughs> but it's interesting how different types of music can just like so easily like shift your like mood and energy. And like sometimes you need the really emotional songs like oh, to sing out loud yeah. to to shift your energy. Like even if it's not like, oh, I want to feel sad. But like it's just like this, like letting yourself belt it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want to be alone in a car with music. Um, <laughs> that's like my that's my space. Love that. Okay, I love to ask uh, people to apply this phrase to their life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. So it just might be a habit, a way of being. Oh, yeah. Um, Man, for me, (laughs) literally just talked about this in therapy last night. What is easiest for me is to always be busy, stay on the move. What is best for me is is to sit still. Yes. (laughs) 
I don't have that problem. You don't. <laughs> no, I'm like one of the rare people that's like, uh, that's one of the things that I feel like my chronic, I have fibromyalgia, like, and I've yeah. mastitis, like, and I mean, there's been so many struggles with that, but because of it, it's made me always like prioritize my body and how I feel, which meant like I am used to implementing rest and stuff like that. And so I now realize how wired I'm so wired differently than most people. <laughs> Yeah. Well, pregnancy has been a bit, a really important teacher for me because I'm like, I physically can't do all the things that I normally would want to. So, but yeah, it's, it's very important for me to sit still. Um, it's also even like, I now, like I said, with my kids, like back in school, before we started talking, I'm like, this is like the first time in my life, like of being a mom where I have more t- like time I had because both my kids are in school all day. And at first it felt like, oh my gosh, I have all these hours. How am I going to fill them with work? And now it's back. Like, yeah. Like, oh, look at this. Oh, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to make some a nice meal right now and like allowing myself to be okay in that spaciousness and realizing like that I am getting ideas and it reminds me it helps yes. with creativity. Like I shared something online yesterday or whatever that somebody else posted, but it was sort of like creative people need time to do nothing, I think it said. I Yes, I read that and I was like, oh yeah. I think that that was true. what it said. And I was like, yeah. And I had just been sort of being like, Oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm not like not doing things or not being, you know, we have this like, oh, I'm not being good, useful my time, all this time I need to be using it. I was like, yeah, like me like enjoying my life and like laying in the hammock and doing these things like while I'm taking these breaks actually do give me ideas and space and creativity and like, yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, okay, the last question is the name of the podcast is claim it. And yeah, it sounds like you've already been thinking about that. Yeah. (laughs) I named it claim it. Yes. For that reason that I am sharing people's stories and like, Hey, claim like your life and your story and who you are. But the main thing is that I realized that in life, we are so often putting like our things outside of myself. Like I'll be enough when this happens. I'll be fulfilled when this happens. I'll feel worthy when I meet the person of my dreams. You know, when I'm in this type of relationship that we're putting those sorts of things outside of ourselves. And what I've seen time and time again, like if you just keep putting them outside of yourself and chasing it, you might feel it for a glimmer and then you just move it on to something else. And so that I feel like whatever it is that you're wanting to feel, you can claim that at any time it might, you just can't, it's like a constant. <laughs> I can claim that I'm successful yeah. right now and have that propel you into working hard differently on your business or whatever. I am enough right now. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? That's a good one. I feel like I wrote, what did I, I wrote affirmations this morning. Um, I think I, what I wrote this morning was I I am successful exactly as I am right now. Um. Because I think that's been that's been the biggest thing. I mean, and then the one for me that um, I think that I am successful right now is a very pertinent one for me currently with like feeling very in like the, the this like hustle to to get to this certain place in my business. But my my one that I always have to go back to is like I am enough just because I exist. That's like the biggest thing as being a doer my whole life. I felt like I was only enough if I did enough, did things for you, um, relationships. I felt like I constantly need to be doing things for. Um, so yeah. So those are two. Yeah. Those are such good ones. 
Because it, it can easy, it's more, I think it's just like we can, can comparison that it's like, oh, I have a successful business. Look at all this or I have this. and But it's like, oh, but it could be bigger. Oh, but I could be making more revenue or but I could be reaching more people. So what is this? And like, yeah, like, wait, I can claim my success right now because I helped one person. It's like you've helped mm-hmm. a lot more of that. But like that's, I'm always trying to come back to the one person. Of course, that doesn't mean that you yeah. don't want to grow and you don't yeah. want to reach more. But it's like, again, that shifts your energy from coming from lack to I'm doing this because I want to, because I love what I do, because I want to share with people. Anytime I get stuck in the rat race of social media with like numbers and all of those things, I just go back to like, if I, I, I go back to like, Kendra, at one point you thought like, if you, if I could just help one person with a post, if I could just help one person with a story, you're good. And you're, you're doing, you're always doing that. Um, so I always try to go back to that too. When I get stuck in those stupid numbers. <laughs> Yep, I get it. That's what I'm again. I'm usually like, if if this if this helps one person right now, then I'm done. What I yeah. <laughs> like about him, yeah. then I've you know done something, and that works for you know. It's like yeah, people out there that don't have. It's like oh, you have 40 people that follow you because they're your friends or whatever. It's like you don't know what you posting to those 40 people. Like what a difference you can make. Like one person makes a difference and that what that might do to their life. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, (laughs) that's it. Oh, well, I, I'm so excited for you, Kendra. And again, I think that this is such a needed thing and I'm so glad you're doing it. And I think, yeah, too, like I've known people that in recent times that have gone through, well, I had my own, I don't even call it a breakup. I call it a relationship transitioning from my kid's father. But, um, yeah, but like, have had several people and whether they're going through divorce or this and like, it's, it's a lot. And you know what I've like, it's a lot of grief. It's a yeah. lot of grief. And so I is know also like people like, uh, Oh my, why do I still feel this way when I knew like, you know, Sam too, as somebody that was like in a narcissist toxic, but why do I still find myself like this? But it's like, cause yeah, you thought that that was your person and you thought like you had created and dream of what you thought your life was going to look like with this person. And that ended. And so like, yeah, it's like, it's grief of this loss of a life that you like had imagined. Like, yeah. like, and I think too, and we don't have a lot of grief knowledge. <laughs> no. And I think so much of what I do honestly is validating people's feelings. Like, I think I give people a lot of tools. I think one of the biggest things I do is I validate their feelings and I tell them what, what you're feeling is completely valid and completely normal. Um, because I think that's, yeah, people think, well, if I thought the shoulds, you know, people get into the shoulds. I, I should have known be over better. This by now. I, I saw this coming. I ended it. Why am I so sad? You know, things like that. So I think so. I mean, so much of what I do is I just give people a space to feel valid in their feelings. So important. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you loved that podcast episode. I sure did. I just love Kendra and her story. And just like I made up a job in my past life, she's made up a role for herself. And I think it's so important and cool. You can find full show notes at yourdurologist.com backslash podcast. You can find Kendra at Your Breakup Bestie, and she's got all sorts of resources there. Um, 
I'll have the links in the show notes as well as a link to mysoulcbd.com backslash claim it. And again, use the code claim it for 15% off at Soul CBD. Feel free to DM me if you are curious about any of these products because I've been using them for a few months now. All right, for the last thought, what are you claiming right now? I loved what Kendra said. Maybe you want to take those too. You are successful right now as you are. You are enough right now as you are. I think I said them differently than she did, but make it your own version. Claim who you are. Claim your journey. Claim your story. Claim your life.